It is my privilege to invite you to today's sermon podcast. I have made the Apostle Paul's prayer request my own. When he states in Ephesians six nineteen, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. May today's sermon come alive to you and aid you in your understanding of God's plan for your life. It's my privilege to introduce our speaker this morning, one of the the other twin <laughs> is here. It's been my privilege to uh, been involved in ministries with both of them at different times, different places, and uh, our uh, interim pastor, Les, was very uh, instrumental in leadership development out in the Asia-Pacific, even though he wasn't there. <laughs> but he really did help in a great way. It was our privilege to serve with John in the Northern Cal District as pastors, and uh, then later out in the uh, Asia-Pacific region for a number of years. And John has been a pastor, a district superintendent, an educator, a missionary, and probably a few other things in between. But lots of stuff. And as a missionary, he served in Eurasia, which is Europe and a big part of Asia down in the south, uh, in the India and Pakistan and so forth. And also the Asia-Pacific region. So he's covered a big hunk of the world, let me tell you, in mission uh, service. And that's a wonderful thing. And he's been able to put that to, uh, to work in many ways. He was regional coordinator for education, uh, new initiatives, a field strategy coordinator in Australia and New Zealand. Is there anywhere you haven't been? Not sure. Anyway, he's been around. But, uh, the church has reached out to him, and he's been uh, developing 35 field coordinators around the world for the Church of the Nazarene. And he's been meeting with them in global missions. And uh, we're proud to have him here today. God bless you. Come and share with us today what God has laid on your heart. Let's give him a round of applause, shall we? Good morning. Wonderful to be with you, and uh, thanks, Bob. Did enjoy working with you in different places in the world. I'm so glad Les didn't introduce me because he probably would have pointed out that uh, uh, he's the better looking one. It's it's not really true. We've always we've always been a little bit competitive. You know, I remember in my mother's womb, I was born five minutes before he was. I could feel him holding on my ankle as I was coming up, and it's been that way my whole life. But, I'm sure you've heard a few stories about me, and since he has uh, more times with you coming later, I'll be careful what I say, but I'll tell you one story, okay? Uh, I was, Les was always in trouble in the principal's office, okay? So this is elementary school. I had to walk home, as usual, by myself, because he was in the principal's office, because he got into trouble on the playground. So I'm walking home, and I come across the railroad tracks, and these three guys walking in front of coming toward me. I suddenly hear, I had no idea, these were the three guys that he got in trouble with on the playground, but for some reason they didn't have to go to the office. For, without any warning, they just start ripping into me, going, here, let's take this, and they've beaten me up. That's been the story of my life. I just want you to know that. So, anyway, uh, I, I would like, I'd love for Vicki to be here, but she's not, and uh, I'd like you to meet our family. We've got four children, two boys and two girls, and 
Uh, we have seven grandsons until recently. We were speaking a couple years ago in an NMI convention, and the, the lady who introduced me and Vicki said, don't you think they need a granddaughter? And everybody said, yeah, they need a granddaughter. So she laid hands on us, and a group gathered and prayed for us to have a granddaughter. Well, you know what happened. <laughs> Ellie Mae was born. And isn't she cute? And I'd like to just show you about 100 slides right now, okay, real quick. I know that you would... So these are... These are our, this is her with her little brother, but anyway, yeah. So I'm really here to talk to you about you, a movement of God through you. You're a part of an amazing family around the world. In fact, just last month, you had over 10,000 of your young people gather in Florida for discipleship. And the last time I was with you, I went around the world and showed several ways that you were literally changing the world through your partnership with Nazarene Gold, uh, Global Missions. And I'm not sure what you call it, your last World Evangelism Fund or Faith Promise, but uh, what, whatever you call it, Bob, you guys have made a huge difference. One of the ways we're seeing the difference is through new expressions of churches, different kinds of churches that we might call organic churches, fresh expressions. Uh, I was with uh, Louis Bussell, our former global mission director several years ago in a country in Asia, or Eurasia, and he said God, he noticed, is up to something new. And this was like 15 years ago. Well, as you know, the church is this amazing family spread all over the world, so unique that organizations have partnered with you because you are so strategically positioned through your missionary force that we've been able to accomplish. For instance, you operate 920 Jesus film teams this morning. Bill Bright, Campus Crusade for Christ, selected you to distribute that film because of this structure that you have, this global family, as one sociologist called us, and a church that is just making a difference in the world every single day, every week. This is what you are actually doing through your missions, partnership, and your giving. The new expressions of churches are looking something like this. Soccer club churches, motorcycle churches, theater churches, coffee churches, all kinds of new churches sprouting up around the world. Because of this, you know, leadership is sometimes behind what God is doing. And our global leadership finally said, we need to define the church in a way that gives permission to these new kinds of churches that are sprouting up all over the world. And so they wrote this definition. I'd like you to read it out loud with me, would you? Let's read it together. Any group that meets regularly for spiritual nurture, worship, or instruction at a communicated time and place with an identified leader aligned with the message and mission of the Church of the Nazarene can be recognized as a church and reported as such for district and general church statistics. Now, that's an interesting definition of the church. What do you see in there that might be missing from the traditional understanding of what a church looks like? Tell me right now. Just A building. No building. What else? Uh, sorry? A well. A water well. Right. Uh, you said Jesus. Well, Jesus is in there if you understand the message and the mission 
of the Church of the Nazarene. Our mission is to make Christ-like disciples in the nations. So there's some that you have to understand as you look at this. Jesus is all over that thing. What else is missing? No pastor is identified there. No ordained clergy. What else? I mean, just I, no pulpit, no altar, no songs, no... There's a whole lot. No taking of the offering, no structure, NMI, NDI, NYI. None of those structures are there. It seems more biblical. It seems more biblical. It's, it's more of an early church description Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, there in my name is the church. And that's it, period. So the leadership of the church has tried to give permission because where churches have been planted, we always think, well, you've got to have an organ, you've got to have this, you've got to have that. No, you don't. We've gone back to the first century and tried to learn from Jesus. So let me give you some illustrations. This is street church, Gottmendingen Germany, and they meet on the street. And you notice behind there's tents. Those are crafts, foods, local expressions of that community. And here's the church. And they serve this beautiful Thai dinner made by one of their members. And Germany is very multicultural. And then the children come up on the platform and these young women sing. And the pastor preaches in language that is non-theological. So that anybody walking by can hear the gospel. I've watched people gather around the back there and stand and listen for 20 minutes as the pastor presents the message. It's street church. Now, here's a re-envisioned church. Uh, Jason and Laura Nike took a class that Vicki and I taught on church planning, evangelism in Europe. And he didn't score very high. We say, you're not a church planter, but she is. And so we sent them out and they, they took an old church in Nappyville, or right alongside Clapham Junction, the business train station in Europe, Western Europe. And they took this old building that had about 15 people in it. Vicki and I were there in one of their, when they, when they started out. And there were people older than me in that, just a dozen people there. And Jason and Laura were going to try and re-envision what the church might look like there. So they began a process. Jason would preach, uh, uh, tell a story for 15 minutes. And everybody would be around tables and chairs and children. And there would be cups and glasses of, so that would get spilled. <laughs> he would tell the story. And then he would give five questions and say, okay, every table answer this question. And they would answer, what, what was Jesus doing here? What was the person he was talking to? And the children would respond, and the children had color crayons. It was really messy and noisy. But the church began to grow. And then they got a, a grant to transform the outside of that church. They tore everything down behind that facade down and rebuilt a new facility because it was a historic building. That's one of the oldest Nazarene buildings in our denomination. And then they, this is the inside of it now. When I was there, those Boards were just dirty and filthy. And now they, they have this beautiful sign that says drop in anytime. It's just an expression. Here's Jason with a couple of his guys that run the coffee shop. And it's just a beautiful environment where people come in off the street and they serve about 12 or 15 culinary art dishes that one of our universities helped them develop the menu. And outside, every 
every day something happens in that church building. And it's community focused. So here's children's camp and a jazz festival and a jazzercise, or they call it nazercise. And you, you, you've, heard of, uh, you've heard of Harry and Meghan, right? The wedding? Okay, well, the choir that sang in the wedding, you might have heard the choir. This is that choir. They practice every week in the Nazarene Church there in Clapham Junction in, in Nappyville. And that's a re-envisioned church. And by the way, that church is just being, making a major impact. This is an underground church. Now, it's on a lake. But one of our leaders said, We'd like, I'd like to go see an underground church. This was in a, what we call a creative access area where we can't sing loud or preach loud. In fact, Vicki and I have been in behind closed doors where when we sing, like you sing this morning, we would sing, I'm so far, glad I'm a part of the family of God. We couldn't lift our voice, couldn't carry a Bible, couldn't even say Jesus outside the doors without being arrested and thrown in prison where many of your Nazarene pastors and lay people are today because they preached on Sunday about or some time during the week uh, about Jesus. But here's a, we took him, we, we couldn't take him to the, uh, underground house church, but we had this boat church and the Nazarene brothers and sisters. And this is actually not the picture of that boat church because I couldn't show it to you because of security issues. Here's motorcycle church. Les, this is one you and I could get into. Uh, this is Sam Tobiah over in, uh, in the Philippines. And he's an ordained elder in the church of Nazarene. They have no building. Somebody gave them uh, five, ten acres of uh, a dirt track like actually, they made the dirt track. Sam is a professional writer there in the, uh, in the middle of that picture. And uh, he was pastoring one of the largest churches in the Philippines, right close to our seminary. Uh, Bob, where are you at, Bob? There you are. You would know Sam well, and you've probably been to this church. And he just, he, he just teaches kids how to ride motorbikes. Shell Oil Company is one of his sponsors. He's a He's a nationally known pastor because of his motorcycle riding. But he gathers all these kids around him, and they have church. Here's another one. This pastor couldn't find a building, so he got a cargo container. And all the youth come to the cargo container. The Purple Cow Church. A young woman was passing the park on the way. This is in the United States, by the way. Passing the park and seeing these kids in the park every Sunday morning. Hundreds of them. She went to her church board and said, would you help me buy a bus? And I'm going to paint it purple, and I'm going to put a puppet show in there and, and food and everything. I'm going to need your help. You buy the bus. You help me kind of get the stuff together. And I'm going to call it the purple cow because it's in a bus. So cow stands for... You got it. Church on wheels. And so they call, they, she, she rolls in with this bus every Sunday morning. And she, they open up the side of the bus. Here comes the puppets. The story of Jesus has told. They feed a thousand people in that park every Sunday morning now here in the United States. We've got several of these bus churches. You can get on you know, their, their websites and, and read about the way they're getting outside the walls to start churches and help people come to know Jesus. Peter Seong is from Korea. He came to Perth, Australia to work among Aboriginal Indian people, the original people there. And uh, what he noticed most was the university students coming from all over the world to Perth, Australia. And so he said, I want to help these university students know about Christ. So he went to his local church. Vicki and I have been there many times. An all-white English-speaking church. The first time I went there, there were maybe 15, 20 people. 
And he said, I'm going to help reach these university students. So you'll notice that little community center behind him. He went to the man who owns that and he says, would you let me use this on Thursday night to teach English free to the university students? Now he's standing on the platform of the main train station that comes in from all of the suburbs of Perth and the university students come through there to go to, school, to the university. And so he puts up a sign that says free English classes Thursday night and Sunday morning. Thursday night in this room and one of the lay people teaches English as a second language for free to the university students that again come from all over Africa, Asia and then on Sunday morning they meet in this room. That's David Thiel there at the head of that table. When I was there one time he shared with the university students who came from every religion you can imagine and he shared with them Matthew 5 where Jesus says I want you to love each other the way the Father loves you, God the Father. And then he explained it. Anybody can love the neighbor, anybody can love your family member, anybody can... But I'm asking you to love your enemy. And then he has that verse, be ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. In other words, love the way God loves. And you could have heard a pin drop because they had never... They all had religions but they had never heard one in which you were supposed to forgive and love your enemy. And at the end of that, I mean, we, we saw several people baptized and they adopt all these students. Everybody adopts a student. And their motto is, let them belong before they believe. That's pretty radical. So on their platform, they have people who are not Christians and I'm not going to name the religions because we're streaming this morning but just name any religion you can think of in your mind and they're on that platform being taught how to play instruments and then they are adopted by the members of this church and discipled, this is Theo with Jonas Theo's 95 Jonas became a follower of Christ he was enrolled in, after he became a Christian, he was called to pastor and now he's on the staff of that church. That this process of letting them belong before they believe. So Theo was sharing with me, Pastor John, I don't argue with them. I don't try and prove anything to them. I just love them and act like they're already a follower of Christ. And I let the Holy Spirit work on their lives, work in their heart. And then they become followers of Christ. Now, not all of them do. But that church is filled with people now. This is uh, uh, Ali from Pakistan. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Um, I, so I can't tell this story. I'm going to move ahead. I'm sorry. But look at this church now, filled with university students. And it's because it started with this Korean brother who saw the university students, had a vision to teach them English as a second language, uses the Bible, the congregation routed around, and now the church. They baptized 15 university students one Sunday. I was there. We went out to the beach and then another six that week who couldn't make it to the service. And then those students go back to their countries where it's illegal to even say the name Jesus in some of those countries. And they take the gospel with them. This is their staff today. Every one of those men are from another country. I don't know who the woman is, the photo op there. Photo, uh, what do you call it when you jump into the photo? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so this is Tobias. He uh, is from Western Europe. He took the course Vicky and I taught on church planning evangelism and he said very adamantly, you can't lead people to Christ in my country. And we said, well, okay, just take the course. 
one of his assignments was to write a, a, a description of a church plant that would enfold people into a community. So he developed a church, a soccer club church. Five soccer clubs, and they would come together. None of them were Christians except one friend he had, and they began to love people. They would come with families. After the soccer game, they'd go into the clubhouse, drinking beer and whatever else, and they began to love. And then the teaching of the children started around those tables with their curriculum and so forth, just like we did in your Sunday school class this morning. And the children became followers of Christ. And pretty soon, he came back to one of the classes one day and he said, I just led my first person to Christ in my whole life. Now, he's a Nazarene pastor. And he's got this soccer club church. No building. No singing. I guess they sing when they go into the, the pub and start singing. I don't know. This is Tram Church. This is a church in Frankfurt, Germany, who couldn't reach the kids in the community. So... The city was giving away these trams. They no longer needed the old ones. So a free tram, right? $50,000 later, they redid the inside of it and made it a friendly space for kids coming by on their skateboards. And the kids would not come into the church building, but they would come into this. And they got free donuts and stuff like that and Cokes and stuff. And they began to disciple them. Vicky and I have been there and seen their, their ministry, a very effective ministry. Here's First Supper. The first supper is free. In fact, all the suppers are free in this tent. We told the people who are going to do this, this won't work. A postmodern, post-Christian town in Germany. It won't work. They went ahead and did it, and guess what? They started several churches. This is one of them that I attended that night. A man, I won't take time to tell the whole story, but a man uh, who is an insurance salesman came to that town to sell insurance because he saw an opportunity uh, his business had sent out a, a memo that morning, don't go to this town because the Christians have announced they're going to be, out. we've learned the Christians are going to be on the streets and you're not going to be able to talk to anybody about insurance because they're going to kind of dominate the thing. Well, they did. And he, he ended up coming to this service and becoming a follower of Christ that night. It's a beautiful story that has a lot more to it. We have a lot of these cafe churches around the world. Uh, I love the name of this one. Isn't that great? Do you see the message already coming quietly? Awake. Well, that's what coffee does. These two brothers, they've expanded. One of them left the largest church in his country to start this coffee shop with his brother. He was an attorney. The other one was an attorney. And I love the, I love the whole setup here. They have classes in this cafe shop. Here's another one. Sweet Surrender. That's the name of the coffee shop, Church of the Nazarene, Posen in Poland. And they have, they have classes. Evan Ronda decorated it up so that the icons around the walls, it's a Catholic country, as you know, and they, they just beg questions. Where did that, what's that picture? Where did that come from? Where did that statue come from? And they've developed a community. This was their first convert. She was going to take her life, and she saw a sign on a bus that was promoting a film about God. And she, and she had just been praying, I'm going to take my life, God, unless you show me that you're real. And this bus goes by about this message on God. I forgot what it exactly was. But it stirred in her, maybe there is a God. And she met Evan Rhonda, and they explained to her what she was experiencing. She remembered her grandmother praying for her. 
Her parents didn't believe in God. But now here she comes to faith and she served us a beautiful cup of coffee. Uh, one of our universities set up their, their menu. This is a Seekers Church. You've heard of seeker-friendly churches. Well, this is the seeker religion. And Jessica standing there came to faith in Christ. And her pastor, the church was filled. And Vicki and I have been to this church many times. This, the church was filled, three services. And the pastor said, we're going to have to create space. We can't start another service. So on the fourth Sunday, we're going to assign you a Sunday. You can't come to the church one Sunday of the month. You have to have church in your home. And we want you to invite friends and a few other people from the church to start a church in your home. So Jessica said, I want to start a seeker church because she was from the Sikh religion. And so she started praying. She, the Holy Spirit said, go to the Sikh temple and try and find a musician. So she went there and she found a man in the center of the church kneeling, praying. She waited till he got off his knees and she said, I want to start a church. And uh, we, we need somebody who's, who plays Sikh instruments. Can you give me some of the names of the people in your congregation that can help me? And he said, are you a Christian? She said, yes. He said, well, I play instruments and I would be glad to help you, but uh, you meet on Sunday morning and that's when we meet. And she said, no, no, we meet on Thursday night. And he said, oh, well, I'll come and play my instrument. And so turns out he was the priest of that temple. And he started playing on Thursday night for the Nazarene Sikh church. And guess what happened? About two or three months into this thing, he said to Jessica, I quite like what you're preaching and saying. Is there any way I could become a Nazarene pastor like you? And she said, I don't know. Let me call my pastor. So she called Weeple. Weeple said, I don't know. Let me call the district superintendent. The district superintendent said, I don't know. So let's call John, because I was over that area at that time. And I said, absolutely. Enroll him in the course of study and turn him loose, because the Spirit's working, isn't he? And so guess what? You've got not just him, but you've got, not just her, but you've got him. He's in the red turbine there, and turbine. And then you've got this guy here uh, playing, playing his instrument. He was kicked out of the temple. And now he's or, uh, enrolled to become an ordained pastor and taking the same course of study that Bob took and Les took and others of you who are in cor- enrolled in the course of study to become a Nazarene pastor are. This is uh, Breakfast Church. If you get online and you type in Messy Church or Breakfast Church, uh, you'll find churches that are organized around food. There's a lot of times no music, but it's designed for the whole family. It's noisy, and we have several of these around the world. We have Choir Church, a church started by several choirs by one of your Nazarene women pastors who, uh, this is in Germany actually, uh, you remember Sister Act, the, the movie? Well, you remember the songs in Sister Act. They're very, they tell the story of Jesus. And they were singing them in English. So she said, if you'd like to know what these songs we're singing about mean, meet at my house. And a group of them started coming. And pretty soon she had a church of people because she explained what it means. Oh, happy day when Jesus washed. My sins away. He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Oh, happy day. And she taught the gospel and started a church through a choir. There are several of these choir churches. Vicki and I came into a cathedral one day and we were just going to sit and enjoy the, the, the ambiance of the cathedral in Germany. 
and here comes a choir coming in for their nightly practice. And we thought, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to hear some great organ music. And Guess what they started singing? Sister Act songs. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, this is pub church. We've got pub churches all over the place. And this isn't where I take a church service to a pub. This is where I go and I live in the pub. So we have men and women who go into the pubs and spend up until 4 or 5 in the morning sitting and talking with people, loving people. Jesus owns every pub in the world. Did you know that? You know what a pub is. He, 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 he owns every square inch of the universe. And it might be dark, and there might be the enemy working, but Jesus is there, and God owns that property. He owns the people in that place. And they go in with a theology to love and not condemn and not judge, but love people. In a pub where a couple of my friends started, a, started uh, loving the people that way, one night they took a, an offering, 4,500 euros, to start a, a well, a clean water well in Africa from people in the pub. Because they were just expressing, how, do, how does the kingdom, what does the kingdom look like? Well, clean water. Hey, we've got mall churches. This is kind of a dark picture, it looks like, but mall churches in several, several places in the world. This one here was started by a, a, a pastor and some men who saw on Friday night and Saturday night, the kids were graffitiing the local uh, shopping center. So he took his group of men down there, and they'd be there through the night working with these kids. Well, pretty soon the graffiti went down, the broken windows went down, and the, the people started coming to that mall. The owner of the mall came to this pastor and said, whatever you're doing works, I'm going to give you some space. So he gave him this room for free in the mall. And he started his worship service there. This is under basement church. Uh, this church has three services. You notice the women sitting on one side, men on the other side. And I've, I've preached in three different languages in that church. I'm not myself, the translators, okay? You got that. So anyway, that's your Nazarene church in a basement. Here's another one right across the street from a mosque in a, a basement. This is a Turkish church. They don't have a building per se. It's just a basement of a house. Here's Porch Church. You showed the Jesus film to these people. None of them have ever heard the name Jesus until you showed it. And then 300 of them came forward and accepted Christ. And now we had a church. And we had a real challenge. What do we do with these guys? Well, we had to disciple them. That's another story. But this is Porch Church. You don't have to have an elaborate building like this one. This is Children's Porch Church. An effective pastor, 12 years old. She can preach better than most of us. And she, she leads a church at 12 years of age. Because that definition of church has freed her up on that drastic for the superintendent and the pastors to say, yes, start your church for children. Somebody recognized the gift in a 12-year-old and said, we'll work with you to develop a church for children on the porch. And that's what they do. This is bedroom church. I had lunch in their new bedroom, which was actually a two-room house. And the bed took up most of the living room. And the kitchen was outside because they don't cook inside there because they cook over an open fire. And they turned their bedroom, the bed used to be in here, into a church. And the pastor, I asked him, you see that sign up there on the wall? I said, what is that sign? He said, that's the name of my members. I said, what are the numbers? He says, that's the amount of money they give to the church each week. How would that work here? 
It's just a thought, okay? It's just a question. I thought he was a pretty brave guy. This is church on the move. This is in the Philippines. This is actual church. They move it from community to community to try and get something going. That's their way to do it. It required a building in that case. And brothers, there we go. Okay, this is Mosh Pit Church. I've been in a few of these. That I remember uh, going to the, the first one, actually, I went to. They looked at me, okay? I got no hair and a little bit of gray on the side, gray beard. And they handed me a set of earplugs. <laughs> and the guy said, you're going to need these. And I did. I didn't like the music at all. But you know what? The kids, there were 500 kids in that gym. And they were throwing them off the platform. You think Jesus was having fun? I think he was. I think Jesus would have been right in there with them. And then a young guy got up there and preached the message of the gospel that those young people were hungry to hear in a way they could receive it. That's interesting. Here's on the 20th floor of a building in Singapore. This church started when a woman complimented another woman on her red shoes in a bus. And that conversation has led to several house churches now being planted. I've had the privilege of being there and sharing several times. Um, This is Compassionate Ministries. You know, you give to Compassionate Ministries in this church. And you start ministries like this, where the sewing machines go into a village where people are poor, and you help them develop a business and sell a product. They're taken into the big cities and sold to tourists so they can put food on their table in a very poor village. These are projects that you do to start churches. Biology class in a, in a village. Doctors going in. Here's church under the tree, under a tent. No building, no pastor yet. People just trying to have church together. These are churches out in the open. Churches that meet the definition. This is an 18-year-old young man there on the left. Um, wonderful guy. Excellent musician. He actually won, what do we call the American Idol thing where you win the thing? He won it in Australia. And he wanted to start a church for his friends. So he got this American Red Cross building and they just gathered and 18 years of age. This is rehab church. All these men have been in jail for one thing or the other. And Harry, when I was there, I told this actually in Sunday school class about this man, the tall guy with the dark hair. I sat next to him And he had never been there before. And I said, I've never been here either. And I said, what's your story? He said, well, Harry up there, he keeps pestering me. So I came just to get him shut up. So I wouldn't. So he said, I said, well, how's your life going? I said, what he's talking about marriages and stuff. Are you married? Yeah. How's that going? Not too good. Well, do you have any kids? Yeah, I got a couple of sons. How's that going? Oh, not too good. And yet he had just told me he didn't need what Harry had to offer but I said, well, maybe you ought to hang around Harry a little bit longer because he's got his marriage going and his relationship with the kids going, and it, it was pretty broken up. So Harry, this is over 300 men in this church. Actually, sometimes they have 400 men, all because Harry here in this picture uh, had a passion to reach men who were hurting like he was. Well, I'm going to finish because you've seen enough. I could go on and on, but do you have to have a building, have a church? No. No. Jesus said it best. Two or three of you. You could probably have a church in your home, in your backyard, out in a field. You've got all kinds of opportunities. The Holy Spirit has to orchestrate the church. But you're a part of a global church that has given permission for the Holy Spirit to work in non-traditional ways. 
And he may even want to do that as you look to your future. I don't know. The Holy Spirit does a great job of leading us, doesn't he? And it's fun to follow. Vicki and I just want to say thanks. You're going to receive a love offering. We're retiring next Sunday night about 8 o'clock. Actually, the 31st. I have to work a few more days next uh, the following week. But we've, we've been at this a long time. We're going to join the tribe of Bob over here who doesn't do anything with his life, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, we, and we just appreciate your support. You guys, are, you guys are supporting missionaries, not just us. You're doing mission in this community. We know that. And may God bless you. Here's a QR if you want to give that way. Uh, Less thanks. And he better be nice to me when he comes up here to take that offering. Uh, I should have stopped you. Come back up here and just sit for a moment, would you? We'll have a come to Jesus meeting here before we leave. Uh, forget for a moment that this is my brother John. Just forget that for a moment. I know it'll be hard, but just try it. So Jesus said, I will build my church, and not even the gates of hell will be able to come against it. Now, if you haven't been moved this morning, Or encourage. Uh, maybe you're dead already. But I think I heard this morning that Jesus is building this church. Amen. Now, now we're kind of stuck in our own little world, our little area. And we don't know everything that's going on. But I want to tell you something. Even though it might seem like nothing's happening, something has happened. Mm -hmm. And God is at work in his church. And he wants to be at work in your life. I mean, that's the bottom line. That's where it starts. It doesn't start out there. It starts right here in my life. And it doesn't matter this morning. I mean, if you're with us in live stream this morning and you don't know the reality that Jesus, the power of Jesus, can change your life. We want you to hear that message right now. Um, I, I've heard two or three reports this morning of people who listen every Sunday. You join us. Thank you. You're not a Nazarene. Uh, you don't go to church or you're part of another faith group, but you still join us. Thank you for doing that. But the bottom line is this. Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about the Nazarene world or Naz- what I call Nazarene dumb. It's about kingdom. And Jesus is building his kingdom. Say that with me. Kingdom. Jesus is building his kingdom. And he's going to do it with or without us. I, I just think I, I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. I want to do it with him. You made a statement this morning about God. We don't have a mission. God has a church with a mission. Is that what you said? God has a mission. And the church has the privilege of fulfilling that mission. 
It's so, not our mission. It's his mission he invites us into. Yeah. So God has a church with a mission. God has a mission, and the church is invited into his mission. So God has a mission. And his church, are you catching on to this? I'm trying to confuse you the best I can to make sure you get it right. And God's mission is people. It's right up there. Yeah. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. God's mission is people. And it's our neighbors, it's our friends, it's our loved ones. And it starts where we live. Well, I'm encouraged this morning because sometimes I wonder where the church is. But we can see, John, the Church of the Nazarene is just a tiny drop in the, in, the, in the ocean of what God is doing around the world through faith groups that are Jesus followers. Yeah. Over we just 30, happen to be, huh? Over 30,000 denominations. In the over 30,000 denominations. Mm-hmm. And we just happen to be one. We're, we, we happen to be Nazarenes because we follow the Nazarenes, right? The Baptists follow John the Baptist. We follow Jesus. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Just teasing. Got a lot of brothers that are Baptists and we're dear friends. But Jesus has a mission. And my friend, if you're not a part of it, I I just invite you to be a part of it. If you're with us on live stream today, um, don't follow a denomination. Follow a man, the God man, Jesus. He's got a mission for you. You're part of his mission. So right now, just trust him. Say, Lord, I'll give as much as I know of myself is to you as much as I know of you. That's where it starts. You don't have to know everything. Just trust him today. And he'll, do, he'll begin to do the rest. Because he's at work in your life already. He might even not know, but he is. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't know him. Lord, my prayer is this morning that every person that is hearing this message today will become a a Jesus follower. Regardless of where they've been, where they've come from, what they've done, Lord, that it would start right now, right here in this moment with you. So my friend, if that's you, just take a moment and say, God, uh, here I am, and I will trust you. Show me, guide me, and he's big enough. He'll, He'll begin to do that. Lord Jesus, I need you. Just tell him, I need you, God. I And he'll do the rest. No, Lord, I trust you right now that you're at work in our lives and in the lives of our live stream friends and whoever's listening. Lord, to to build your church. Because you got a mission and it starts with us. And we give you praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I didn't say get up. No. <laughs> this is my church. It's not yours. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's his striking Lord. He's always correcting me. He's always correcting me. Hey, uh, so again, forget this is my brother, um, but John said he's, he's getting ready to retire. We've been doing this, I, you know, I'm, I'm someplace around 50 years. I started some type of ministry in 69, 1969, right out of high school. So we've been doing this for a while. Uh, my role as a pastor has been to support missionaries. I discovered one day that I was a missionary just in, in North America. Because, you know, we live on a mission field, right? Yes. Yet it's been my privilege to support pastors around the world for all these years. 
And as John and Vicki get ready to retire, um, we just want to pray over them. And then as you leave this morning, I think uh, Pastor Jason already mentioned, uh, there'll be ushers, I think, at all the doors. Is that right, Pastor? Double doors. Pardon me? Just the double doors. Oh, the double, just the double doors. And you can write a check, I think you said, write it to this church, Mountain View, and, and the church here will send a check uh, to our headquarters, which will find its way somehow to support them in world missions around the world. So it's part of what we do. We're missions driven. Uh, so I encourage you to do that. And, and this church, John, as I've already told you, I've watched them here over a year now. They're very faithful in giving to the need and the cause of others. So before you go, um, I'd like to wind up just by praying with you. And uh, I've done something for many, many years, perhaps decades, when we have guest speakers to pray over them. Because prayer, really, um, I think we got another thing about prayer here, don't we not? Prayer is the key. Um, to everything we do. Amen? Amen. So what do you say, church? We, um, we practice being the church. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. Let's pray over John and Vicki. Uh, I think you guys got a picture of them. If you put it up on the screen, I, I, saw, I saw you throw it. There you go. And, and you can see Vicki there. And so, John, if you'll, if you'll just grace us by going right down here to the center, we're going to stand, gather around you, lay hands on you in the first century church fashion. So stand, church, would you please? And uh, gather around John. John. Go a little bit farther down, if you would. Just come on from all four corners of the church. You'll have to move to do this. Eula, <laughs> come on, Eula. Eula, come on. You, you can do this, too. Come on, we want you down here, Eula. Eula's one of our prayer warriors. And, and I'd like Eula to lead us in a word of prayer for John and Vicki. And for their ministry as they continue ministry. Just because he's retiring doesn't mean he's quitting. Um, so, Eula, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer over our missionaries today, a prayer of blessing, guidance, wisdom, uh, God's favor on their ministry uh, as they move to this new stage of ministry and retirement. I love you, lady. Look at me. I love you. You're an amazing minister in the church. So lead us in a word of prayer for them. Dear Lord, we are so thankful that we are where we are and can worship the way we do. And I especially am thankful for the message this morning and knowing that the church is everywhere. And I pray, dear Lord, that you will bless Vicki and John in their ministry as you have already done in the past and you will bless them in the future and help them, O Lord, as they age and life changes that they will still be able to serve you in a a mighty way as you have blessed them before. Bless this work, O God, and keep it going. And help us as a church, Lord, to be willing to accept new ways and do the work that you want us to do right here in Homedale. And we will give you all the praise. Amen. 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 God bless you, church. Have a great day. And the ushers, thank you guys for being there. I want to thank you for joining today's sermon podcast. You can find a copy of today's sermon as well as other sermons and the sermon outline from today on our church's website, www.mvcnaz.org. It is my prayer also that you will seek out a church home that recognizes the authority of the Bible.